Okay, so I often get asked what my top thing is that people who have thyroid issues can do to start feeling better. And my answer is pretty much almost always there are actually two top things. Number one, get off gluten. You can start to clear the gluten out of your system, which can trigger both inflammation and increase your antibody attack and your thyroid. Again, I have other episodes about that more specifically. But number one, get off gluten, at least for three months, probably forever. (laughs) And number two, balance your blood sugar levels. So rewind about 15 years when I was really deep into struggling with thyroid problems. I was not aware at all that I had blood sugar issues when I was first diagnosed with hypothyroidism and then ultimately Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So even though I I would always say that I had a sweet tooth, but I just never connected that that was maybe an issue with blood sugar. Um, I would oftentimes get hangry, you know, the combo of hungry and angry multiple times a day. Um, because the, And that happens because the high foods that I'd been consuming were just causing me to experience a big blood sugar swing. So I would eat something that was more high carb, that would send my blood sugar um, upward, and then quickly crashing because it's uh, the higher the carbs, the, the quicker the or the more steep the crash. I 100% always had a snack in my bag at that time. And I totally ascribed to the idea that I just should be kind of continuously eating small things all day long. Um, I wasn't really paying attention to what those small things were, but just something so that I would never experience the blood sugar swings based on that. What I didn't know is that those hangry feelings were actually that they were blood sugar swings, these spikes and dips. I had I didn't realize that's what it was. And I also don't think I had any clue that blood sugar swings were also actually weakening my adrenal glands and their ability to do their job in balancing my hormones. And thus, if you've heard some of my other episodes, um, when you have adrenals that are unbalanced and out of whack, that causes a spike in your thyroid antibodies. It's like a crazy cycle, right? So balancing blood sugar levels, it should be one of your top priorities for anyone who's dealing with hypothyroid symptoms and It's especially important if you are trying to overcome really any autoimmune thyroid disease and actually adrenal fatigue as well. If you know for sure that you're struggling with adrenal issues, then blood sugar needs to be a part of it. If you are struggling with hypothyroid symptoms, there's a real good possibility, somewhere a little over 90% possibility that you have adrenal symptoms or adrenal dysfunction symptoms as well. And so paying attention to your blood sugar is something that you should be doing. So in this episode, we are digging into the topic of blood sugar and blood sugar balancing. We're going to talk about what it is and why it matters and how it impacts our thyroid health. Additionally, I'll share some strategies that you can use to control your blood sugar levels without using medications. And of course, I have just some simple shifts that you can start doing today to make an impact in this area. So go ahead and grab a notebook and a pen, and let's get started with today's episode. Before we jump in, this week I want to encourage you to head to my website, which you can grab that link either in the show notes or at bit.ly slash thyroid tools, and you can take one of the many symptom quizzes that I've created for you. Especially this week, uh, I would encourage you to take the two most relevant to the topic, and that is one, the metabolic assessment, and two, the adrenal dysfunction assessment. Since we're talking about balancing blood sugar, 
And balanced blood sugar is a good marker of metabolic health and also a real detriment to adrenal health, having unbalanced blood sugar, that is. So these two are two of the quizzes I've created to help you assess some of your more subjective symptoms in the areas I teach about. And they're really, really handy to take now to start to establish where you want to put your energy and effort in helping to kind of peel back the layers of resolving your hypothyroid symptoms. So it's really handy to also come back to these quizzes over time so you can see what gains you've made. So you can head to the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly slash thyroid tools to take all the quizzes if you want, <laughs> but I'd highly recommend taking those too. And you can see where you're at. They're, again, a great tool to come back to as well. So bit.ly slash thyroid tools to take those short quizzes to help you assess the symptoms that are keeping you from feeling good as you move through your days. Welcome to the Natural Thyroid Fix. I'm Sarah Geisinger, a holistic lifestyle and nutrition coach and former hypothyroid mom who has reversed her thyroid disease using a natural approach to thyroid health. Trust me. I know what it feels like to move through life in a brain fog, needing a nap by mid-afternoon, and constantly be cleaning the hair you've lost out of the shower drain. Do you know what I'm talking about? If you're here, I bet you do. So if you're ready to reject the notion that this tired, hypothyroid life is as good as it gets and start implementing simple, natural strategies to live a vibrant, symptom-free life, then this is the podcast for you. Let's dive into today's show. Okay, raise your hand if you have ever felt hangry. My hand's raised. Both of my hands are raised. (laughs) Uh, That was for sure one of my tip-offs when I started learning about balancing blood sugar, that perhaps I had something going on with imbalances in my blood sugar levels. And this was something that this actually kind of came way later for me in resolving my thyroid issues. It was not really until the last couple years that I started to connect the idea that having balanced blood sugar and eating in a way that supported balanced blood sugar was really actually beneficial specifically to my adrenal health. That was that was really when I started to pay attention to blood sugar was when I realized and learned about how having these big swings in our blood sugar levels really impact and weakened your adrenals. And I had I have determined that I had adrenal issues. And so I was working to resolve those things in a lot of different ways. I was taking supplements. I was working on sleep and stress and all the things that I teach you to do. I was doing those. And then I kind of got to that piece of balanced blood sugar and realized like, oh man, (laughs) all the supplements in the world, all of the stress relief in the world is not going to matter if the foods I'm continuing to eat are not supporting a really uh, like balanced blood sugar. Now, the good news is I didn't feel like I was way out of whack because when you start using food as a tool for healing, then you start any, you kind of start eating in a way that helps to balance your blood sugar. But I started to really zero in on that and started noticing some really big differences. And so I'm excited to talk with you about this today because it has the potential to have a big impact. So let's just jump right in. What are blood sugar imbalances? So blood sugar is uh, often, it's also known as aka glucose. It's the primary sugar that enters the body through the foods that we eat. 
And it's an energy source for our body. It provides nutrients to the organs, the muscles, the nervous system. We need glucose. It's really important. We need to have it in our bodies. And it enters through the small intestines after carbs are consumed. And so it's not necessarily just sugar where we get blood sugar. But anytime we eat carbs, then we get glucose. And the pancreas, the pancreas's job is to produce insulin that helps keep the blood sugar levels in check to keep them from... um, converting extra glucose into something called glycogen and that it's it uh, sends that to the liver for storage. And so blood sugar imbalances a lot of times can occur when the blood sugar swings out of kind of the normal steady range. And so I have this great graphic, which um, I'll stick in my email newsletter this week, where that just shows kind of what the what it looks like when we have these swings in blood sugar. We have imagine if you can that we have like imagine like a roller coaster of like a steep hill up and then a plunge down where you're screaming and your hands are up and it's so fun, right? Which is great for a roller coaster. Not great for your blood sugar. And then maybe you have another peak, another big hill up and then a deep plunge down. And so imagine a graph that looks like that. And there what we want is uh, we want blood sugar that looks more like gentle rolling hills. Slight increase, slight decrease, slight increase, slight decrease. And the slight increase will come when we eat. And so we eat foods that have hopefully a good, well-rounded mix of macros like fats, proteins, and carbs, and not too heavy on the carb side. When we eat foods that are too heavy on the carb side, the spike, the hill, becomes a really steep hill instead of a nice gentle rolling hill. And so we want, if we we're going to graph out what our blood sugar, blood sugar uh, levels look like throughout the day, we want gentle rolling hills, not steep mountains and deep valleys. So blood sugar imbalances occur when the blood sugar swings out of the normal steady range, the normal like gentle rolling hills. And that usually comes from consuming high carb foods that spike the blood sugar to a really steep mountain instead of a gentle hill. Um, And then what happens is that the high carb foods spike those blood sugar levels and then they drop quickly, like the roller coaster hill. So we, when we consume large amounts of sugar, whether it's actual like sugar or if it's just in the form of high carb foods like desserts, um, heavy grain diets, really a lot of starchy vegetables. When those things make up the primary foods that we are consuming day in, day out, meal in, meal out, uh, then the pancreas has to release larger amounts of insulin to try and bring the blood sugar levels back down. And these surges in insulin can cause blood sugar levels to drop too low, and then it can cause cravings for more carb-rich foods, and you can create this cycle. That cycle can just start all over again as blood sugar levels swing high, drop low, swing high, drop low. And that cycle is what we would know as imbalanced blood sugar, and that creates a tremendous amount of stress in our body. A lot of times symptoms of blood, sh- of, uh, of blood sugar levels that are out of whack include hormonal issues. So your hormones are all over the place. Women, it's always, I always think it's, I mean, it's e- men can notice hormonal changes too, but women, we have, you know, this monthly cycle that is marked by hormonal changes. And so we can really track that and see some, uh, some clear indicators that there might be a problem. Um, so hormonal issues, fatigue, depression, um, anxiety, not being able to sleep, not having, um, clear, like brain, like mental clarity, having poor brain function, and just having kind of a chronic dull pain. Those are common symptoms of blood sugar levels. 
in my experience, these symptoms are super common in society. I mean, I just read that list and you or someone that you maybe live with or know is dealing with one of those issues. And this is, you know, it's all too common in our society. And I think that a big reason for that is the highly processed carbs that are sort of the base of the standard American diet. In fact, if you look at like the old school food pyramid that, you know, I'm a child of the 80s. So uh, in every health class um, classroom, there was a poster with the food pyramid and the base of the food pyramid was carbs. So fortunately now the MyPlate, USDA has a MyPlate if you've never seen it. It doesn't encourage people to eat what was the equivalent of an entire loaf of bread's worth of carbs on a daily basis. So that's progress. But I still think there's just too much of an emphasis on carbs in general in our mainstream culture, in our diets. And uh, even though they're, on, they're, they're the only of the macronutrients the, of fats, proteins, and carbs that's actually not required for survival, which is kind of interesting, but they're still heavily focused on as a primary part, especially of our standard American diet. I think that's a problem. I also think it's why many, many, many people deal with symptoms that are common for blood sugar levels that are out of balance. So there's a bunch of research. I, you know, I love to dig into the research on especially how various lifestyle factors impact what's happening in our thyroid health. And so there's some research that shows up to 50% of people who have Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And again, if you are someone who is struggling with hypothyroid symptoms, then there is a good possibility that you actually have autoimmune Hashimoto's thyroiditis, autoimmune thyroid disease, where your immune system is attacking your thyroid and causing the hypothyroid symptoms. Anyway, research has shown that 50% of people who have Hashimoto's actually have a carb intolerance. And so that what that means is that when you eat, when someone with a carb intolerance eats a high-carb meal, then your blood sugar levels are more likely to spike super quickly, super fast. And then that also means that they drop super fast. So there's these quick, these these spikes happen actually faster than the average person. And what that can, in, that in and of itself can result in feeling nervous, lightheaded, having anxiety, and dealing with fatigue, which these are all things that if you have hypothyroid symptoms, I mean, didn't I just describe your everyday? <laughs> Aren't those your, your primary symptoms? I would put some money on it that they are. So blood sugar imbalances just kind of um, a lot of times are described as adding fuel to the fire in autoimmune thyroid disease because it just exacerbates the most common complaints of people who have thyroid issues. And that is because blood sugar levels in the thyroid are closely connected. They're tightly connected. Again, a review of a study that was published in 2010 talked about the relationship between thyroid issues and metabolic disorders. And the bottom line is that patients with diabetes were up to three times more likely to have a thyroid disorder. Yeah. So there are some tight connections there. That correlation, it comes largely in part because of the increased stress that the body uh, indoors with blood sugar spikes that over time that does some real damage to the thyroid. And that's because of the connection between the adrenals, the imbalances in hormones, the increases in cortisol that are kind of unchecked. And then that pulls resources from the thyroid. It's, you know, all of this, these common problems that are all connected and continue to spiral. And so when the adrenals, which are responsible for releasing stress hormones, when they experience a blood sugar spike, they read that as stress and they become stressed. They release that excess 
uh, hormone of cortisol, and that leads to an increased production of proteins that are inflammatory and an increase in immune response. Again, this continues to go. We can see an increase in antibodies because of the um, because of all of these these this this flux in all of these different hormones, and that can lead to numerous symptoms, including chronic fatigue and mood swings and increased thyroid antibodies. And those thyroid antibodies are the things that your immune system creates because it perceives that there's a problem and that it needs to then attack the thyroid. Weakening the adrenals due to imbalanced blood sugar causes all of these things. Weakened adrenals weaken the thyroid. And so that is why it is so important. And I highly recommend working to stabilize your blood sugar levels to protect your adrenal glands from that excess stress and help to heal your hypothyroid symptoms. Uh, And as people do this, they find that they see a resolution in their mental clarity, in their uh, adrenal function, their their mood, their brain function, their energy levels, and even their ability to lose weight that they are carrying around and would prefer not to be. So it's worth investing some time and energy in doing. So how do you know if your blood sugar is out of balance? Um, So when I was, right before I was diagnosed with um, hypothyroidism, and actually really the years leading up to that, I used to feel lightheaded often. I'd feel faint um, often, and I wouldn't really know why. In fact, I I mentioned in another episode, I I actually struggled with this in even high school and college when I was much, much younger before any of my thyroid issues started to manifest. But if you have been diagnosed with diabetes or prediabetes, you probably know that your blood sugar is out of balance, right? (laughs) Because you've kind of already had those conversations with your doctor. If you have Hashimoto's thyroiditis, if you're dealing with hypothyroidism, then blood sugar issues are really common as kind of like they're they're just statistically you're you're more likely to have those things. Uh, And a lot of times people uh, who have hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's thyroiditis, they actually present with something called hypoglycemia, which is low blood sugar in early the early stages of the thyroid disease. And so hypoglycemia is actually an early risk factor for developing diabetes. And it's something that is totally something you can work on, which is cool. So some of the symptoms of having low and high blood sugar, I'm going to kind of read these off, but I want you to keep in mind that these are generalized lists of symptoms. They're meant to help you address like day-to-day changes in blood sugar and stabilize things a bit. Um, but they are also symptoms of diabetes. And so if you have ongoing severe symptoms, if you have like the severe version of the symptoms that I'm going to mention, you need to be having a conversation with your doctor about being tested for diabetes because it's one thing to get hangry in the afternoon. It's another thing to have your body um, be struggling with insulin levels and um, really dealing with actual diabetes. And so again, these are the general symptoms. If these feel mild, then these are probably blood sugar issues that you can work on on your own. But if these are really, really intense symptoms and severe, then you're going to want to be having a conversation with your with your practitioner about getting some testing done um, to uh, regarding diabetes. So some symptoms of having low blood sugar, craving sugary foods, being irritable or lightheaded, or that's the hangry feeling that I often describe, feeling like you have a dependency on caffeine, uh, needing food to like keep your energy up, like needing a snack um, or multiple snacks throughout the day. 
feeling uh, shaky or jittery, being nervous or feeling easily agitated, being forgetful, having some blurred vision, having just um, lack of mental clarity or what we call brain fog, and having cold hands and feet, cold extremities. So those are all symptoms of low blood sugar. So some symptoms of high blood sugar, elevated blood sugar, would include being really tired after meals in general. Um, You know, like think like post Thanksgiving tired, but every time you eat, (laughs) having persistent hunger, having cravings for sugary foods that aren't eliminated after eating them, needing desserts after meals, um, like feeling like you need to have something sweet, having a your waist be equal to or larger than your hip measurements. So you can measure those two. And if they are equal to or larger than your hips, then that's an indication of having elevated blood sugar. Uh, Frequent urination, not having or having a hard time losing weight and having an increased appetite and or thirst. So those are all things that are indicators of having elevated blood sugar. So if you tend to have dramatic blood sugar swings simply after eating, then you might be experiencing what we call reactive hypoglycemia. And so that is kind of a, well, not kind of, it's an abnormal reaction to the excess insulin that is supposed to happen after you eat. So this is a lot of times characterized as like a sugar crash because of that quick spike and then drop in insulin. And so reactive hypoglycemia is the unusual, there's kind of an unusual pattern to the insulin release even after the, the meal is digested. This can happen especially after eating high carb meals, but some people who have hypoglycemic responses to can have hypoglycemic responses to low carb foods as well. And that is because something's not quite right in handling the uh, the carbs coming into your body. The drops in blood sugar usually occur about one to four hours after eating. And so if blood sugar levels drop below 70 milligrams per deciliter during that four hour time after eating, then that could be an indication that you have some reactive hypoglycemia. Again, the symptoms are similar to the low blood sugar symptoms that I mentioned above. Um, And with the low blood sugar, these are super common with people who have hypothyroid symptoms. And reactive hypoglycemia is also super common as well. And interestingly, there's something called H. pylori. It's a gut infection that we'll do a whole other episode about. Those can be a trigger for both low blood sugar and hypoglycemia and also hypothyroidism um, and Hashimoto's. So that is interesting. So if you're curious about how your body responds to carbohydrates, if you're curious if you've got some indicators of reactive hypoglycemia, it's actually super easy to grab one of those over-the-counter blood glucose monitoring little kits that, you know, most people, if you have diabetes, you prick your finger, put it on the little test strip and stick it in and it tells you what your blood sugar is. And you can use that to prick your finger, collect a little sample of your blood, and then you can test what how your body is responding. And so here's kind of the process. Basically, uh, after about 10 hours of fasting, so like first thing in the morning, you wake up, test your blood sugar before you eat anything. And then you eat a meal, like your typical meal, whatever you would normally eat for breakfast with your typical carbohydrate serving. You try and like, you're trying to get a baseline here. So you don't want to like make any changes. And then you write down what the meal was, like in a journal or a little book or something, or maybe on your phone. And then you repeat taking the taking your test, like you're pricking your finger and getting a reading from the blood sugar monitor every 30 minutes for four hours. 
And so you can kind of see, are there certain foods that give you a, a difficult time with blood sugar spikes? Are there certain, um, you know, combinations of foods? You can get an idea. You can repeat this with, uh, like on different days with other foods as well. And that is just a, a handy thing to know is how your body responds to different foods. Are there certain foods that spike your blood sugar more than others? Another great tool that I think is super cool I've not tried yet is continuous glucose monitors. These are becoming more and more available, but it's basically a small sensor that you apply to the back of your arm. It's like a sticker. Uh, and usually it has like some kind of technology that connects to your phone or some app or something. And it measures and stores your glucose readings throughout the entire day. And you can access that on an app and kind of track that gives you like a big picture of your blood sugar levels and how different foods might be affecting them. So I think they're super cool and a great measure of health. Not one that I've tried yet, but I'm so curious. It's on my list of things to do. So it also eliminates the hassle of doing like the pinprick and then you know, testing and remembering to do it every 30 minutes. It's just always monitoring it. So that's pretty cool. An interesting thing to note is that there's just different foods produce different reactions for different people. I say this over and over again. We are all bio-individual. We're all different, unique. There are similarities and we can make some, you know, draw some common threads through throughout, but we're all different. And so foods that really cause a spike for you might not cause a huge spike for me, but we can make some general things. Um, this probably has to do with our genetics, um, certain health conditions we've dealt with, microbiome, uh, maybe the presence are our, the different levels of digestive enzymes we all have available and just our body's ability to process different food molecules. Super interesting. So anyway, additionally, I'm just going to a little note here before I jump into some of the tips that I think you should do to start making some changes. But there is so much evidence over the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years that demonstrates that what's happening in the gut microbiome is so connected to our ability to have balanced blood sugar. And so We'll dive deeper into this in another episode, but just know that our gut microbiome is a powerful, powerful system, and the things that are inhabiting are, I always think it's funny to think about, like, what creatures are living in our gut, but it's true, they are little little creatures, uh, but the inhabitants of our gut can really impact our nutrient status. They can impact how much, what types of nutrients we're able to absorb and how effectively we are able to do that and the types of calories that we can extract from those things and vitamins and everything. And so it's pretty cool um, and it can really be impacted by what's happening in our gut. And there's a lot more research that's coming out on that. Um, and the things that typically impact gut health, they also impact our blood sugar balances, like having um, gut infections like candida or having an overgrowth of certain yeasts or certain types of bacteria. So that's pretty interesting. We'll do a whole nother episode and dive into those, uh, the different gut infections that can impact our gut health and our thyroid health and our blood sugar levels in another, another episode. Okay, but the good news is we can control blood sugar levels naturally. In my experience, most people who deal with thyroid issues and have blood sugar imbalances, especially ones that have not been diagnosed with diabetes and don't have super severe symptoms, they can really stabilize their blood sugar with just simply changing, making some dietary changes and making lifestyle changes. And they don't have to use medications to get that balanced blood sugar. Um, additionally, if you are someone who is more on the, like, is, is they know they're diabetic or maybe they're thinking that their blood sugar issues are kind of severe and are going to head down that path with your doctor of resolving, trying to figure those things out. 
know that making the lifestyle changes to address blood balancing blood sugar levels naturally they are um, very effective, but likely if you have diabetes, you're going to need to do you know, some interventions with your doctor in addition to the lifestyle changes that can balance blood sugar. So just know that up front. This is not a, oh, if you have diabetes, don't do these things. It's a, if you have diabetes, if you're really, your blood sugar levels are really um, swinging high and low or just, you know, helter skelter everywhere, then you are going to need, you're going to need more support beyond these, but these are still good things for you to do. So focusing on the impact of food on our blood sugar is, I believe, the most effective way to balance out blood sugar levels. And it's best accomplished by paying super close attention to the glycemic index of foods. And so glycemic index is the measure of how quickly a food becomes assimilated into our body. It's like how quickly we, uh, sometimes it's called a burn rate, how quickly we burn the fuel that we get from foods. And so looking at, looking for low glycemic index foods and low glycemic loaded foods, they are kind of like the slow burn foods that can really help with balancing blood sugars. Foods that have a glycemic index of 55, of less than 55, are considered to have a low glycemic index. And so these are most non-starchy vegetables, meats, nuts, seeds, some whole grains, um, fruits that are lower in fructose, like um, more sour fruits like citrus fruits, grapes, lemons, limes, cranberries, they have a low glycemic index. That's not to say you can't eat things that have a higher glycemic index. You just want to be aware of the things you're eating them in combination with and kind of trying to um, stay lower on the lower end of things. You can find a whole, like pretty comprehensive glycemic index of foods at glycemicindex.com. <laughs> I'll link that in the show notes too, but that's pretty straightforward. Additionally, I love to kind of have this little like tip sheet, like these this short little food rules taped up inside of my cabinet just to remember. But basically, if you can remember and keep track of what the main things are that and how long they kind of keep you full, it can help you to make sure that you're making food choices that are going to stabilize your blood sugar levels. So if you're not writing anything down, you should write this down. So fats, for example, when you eat fat, you'll be hungry again in roughly four hours. When you eat protein, you'll be hungry again in about two or three hours. When you eat carbs, you'll be hungry again in about 45 minutes to an hour. And so that's not to say that any of those are off limits, but you just want to eat those in combination with each other so that you are not feeling like you have to eat every 45 minutes or to an hour. Uh, and because carbs just have such a fast burn rate and that fast burn rate can spike your blood sugar levels very dramatically. And so you're going to have to, you know, eat something else or to balance to, to kind of feel good again. And so that is where you can start to, instead of loading up on carbs, I recommend that you increase your intake of healthy fats and proteins because they have a slower burn rate and they become, you know, assimilated to our bodies slower in a more gradual manner. And make sure that when you're eating carbs, that you're always eating them with a fat and protein. Simple, right? Okay, so I want to give you a few things you can do today to start moving the needle in how you feel. And again, these aren't going to be all you need to do or have like massive impacts in and of themselves. But the deal is when you're approaching thyroid or really any health issue from a holistic perspective, the, the, uh, the successes come as culminations of small steps that we combine together to create a massive impact. So here are a few lifestyle changes that can help you to balance your blood sugar levels that you can start to implement today. 
The first one is exercise. So regular exercise helps the body cells to become more sensitive to insulin, which can help us to avoid insulin resistance and reduce thyroid symptoms. Even something as simple as going for a walk after a meal is very effective in helping to make our bodies more sensitive to insulin. Additionally, our cells become more responsive to insulin by increasing receptors, and that allows more glucose to enter the cells rather than staying in the blood. And so over time, those changes can lower our blood sugar levels. So going for a walk, getting some exercise is not only good for blood sugar levels, it helps to balance cortisol levels. So Again, I don't recommend necessarily, especially if you're in a really flared up state, if you're experiencing a ton of hypothyroid symptoms, I don't recommend like going and doing intense workouts. I don't think your body will uh, thank you for that. But getting your body moving consistently is important. So I suggest gentle exercises like walking, swimming, yoga, um, just moving your body, increasing movement. You can go back to the episode that I did with my husband, who's a physical therapist and Uh, general movement specialist, where he has some great tips and suggestions on helping to support healthy movement throughout our days. Okay, so exercise is what you want. Number two is hydration. Oh my word, the low-hanging fruit. Like every time I, I come back to this, I'm like, just drink more water. How many of our problems could be resolved by just drinking more water? But it's true. Drinking enough water helps to keep blood sugar levels balanced by helping your kidneys to flush out excess blood sugar through your urine. Basically, if there's too much blood sugar, if you're drinking enough, your body will move it through. And so that is good. Again, adding in electrolytes is always beneficial for our adrenals specifically. And so aim for half your body weight in ounces of water per day. Uh, So a 150 pound person would drink about 75 ounces of water per day. That's your goal. Okay, the third thing is getting enough quality sleep. Super important for blood sugar balance and insulin sensitivity. Um, Just not getting enough sleep. The simple lack of sleep affects metabolic hormones, including growth hormone, and it raises cortisol levels. And when cortisol levels are raised, then... Um, this causes a problem for thyroid levels. If your body reads it as stress, it becomes problematic and it weakens the adrenals. So the hormonal imbalances that come with not getting enough sleep can disrupt insulin levels as well. And then it finds you uh, increasing your appetite and cravings for carbs because that's going to give your body a quick little hit of energy. And that just furthers the cycle. So prioritize sleep. Again, I have specific episodes on each one of these uh, three things that I will link in the show notes that if you are not doing these basics, then you're going to not only get a benefit by by starting them, you're going to get a benefit to reducing your thyroid symptoms, but also you're going to see a balancing of your blood sugar, which will help resolve things as well. Okay. So there we have it. So be sure to click on the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly slash thyroid tools to take the quizzes I've created and grab some of my favorite tools that supports balanced blood sugar. And you can head to bit.ly slash thyroid tools to take those short quizzes and see if blood sugar imbalances are impacting how you feel. I bet you they are. Anyway, I hope you're able to apply some of these things and make small shifts towards feeling healthy and good because I totally believe that when you do it that way, when you focus on the doable lifestyle shifts, living a symptom-free life is totally possible. And I want that for you. Real quick before you go, if this show has helped you in some way, then I know that it'll help others too. So please, 
head over to iTunes, subscribe, and then leave a review so that more women can find health and healing too. And did you know that you can have an incredible impact on the women who deal with thyroid issues in your circle? Yep, that's right. All you have to do is take a screenshot of this podcast, tag me at natural.thyroid.fix and post it in your stories. Let's light a path for all the other hypothyroid mamas looking for hope and healing and to just feel like themselves again. I'll look forward to connecting with you over on Instagram. Until next time on The Natural Thyroid Fix.